Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. I mean, wasn't super happy about the late start of the game, but I was certainly happy with the end result of the game. A uh, 4-3 overtime win for the Edmonton Oilers over a very, very hardworking um, Arizona Coyotes team, Bruce. They really did uh, come to play tonight. Um, We'll do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. I'm just totaling up the grade A shots for the game. So uh, why don't you start it off with um, your first, your good thing. Okay. Uh, Okay. Only a few sort of real obvious choices for the Oilers tonight, but the most obvious is Connor McDavid and his uh, 59th and 60th uh, goals of the season on a, a pair of, uh, of fabulous efforts. And uh, uh, the first one opening the scoring, you know, this is the eighth time in the last 12 games that the Oilers have scored in the first eight minutes of play to open the scoring. Getting off to good starts has really become a thing with this squad. Uh, and on this one where uh, McDavid uh, uh, scored from, it was on the power play. They'd had a five on three, a couple of great chances that were stopped by an excellent Connor Ingram in this game. And uh, But uh, McDavid caught him by surprise by coming out behind the goal line and banking one right in off of him, off his name bar, I think they said on the broadcast. And that's about where it hit, and right up and under the crossbar to completely... Uh, bamboozle poor Connor Ingram and McDavid he was dangling all night you know he he wound up with uh, uh, just the two goals on the night just the two goals but he was um, he was all over it and uh, he finally uh, put away number 60 uh, in overtime uh, when he got a pair of consecutive chances set up by Leon Dreisaitl, the first on a fantastic backhand spin-around pass from inside his own blue line that perfectly caught McDavid racing through the neutral zone. It wasn't like he just had to lob it out there and McDavid could go get it. Uh, he missed the defenseman by not very much and McDavid by not at all. It was just like quarterback hitting his target other than Leon couldn't even see the target at the time he was trying to get the pass off and he just whipped it right up there. McDavid goes in, dangles the goalie, hits the post, puck goes across the uh, uh, across the ice. McDavid hammers the stick on the boards, doesn't break it. And uh, lo and behold, Leon comes up with the puck a second time along the sideboards and again he feeds it to McDavid in the slot and he goes in basically same move. But this time he, he held the puck maybe an extra split second and took his time and put it right up under the crossbar to end it. In overtime, 60th goal of the season on a brilliant, I'll say brilliant solo effort, although obviously he did have a lot of help, but it was him that was doing the stuff with the puck for the most part. And uh, nice highlight reel uh, goal to uh, uh, to end it. And good for you, Connor McDavid, 60 goals in 72 games. It's uh, the quickest to 60 in the salary cap era, beating uh, the immortal Austin Matthews by one game. Matthews took 73 last year, so this overtime was the time to do it. <laughs> McDavid with, um, the orders had 19 grade A shots, Bruce, 
and mm-hmm. nine five alarm shots. Arizona had 10 grade A shots and five. So the owners pretty much doubled them in each category. Mm-hmm. And it looked for a while like they were going to get goalied there by yep. um, Ingram. Ingram. They did. <laughs> he did. And he made a nice play smashing the um, the net off the post there when he was under a lot of pressure too. That was a very smart play mm-hmm. um, on a power play in this, late in the second period. But the Oilers did get their revenge. Um, yeah, Drysdale's passing overtime. Like he he was battling on the boards. I think he was on his knees, mm-hmm. and he won that puck and put it over to McDavid. So that was like that yeah. was a, the second time. Excellent. Yeah. And they had been out there. You know how much we've complained about them being out there for long shifts. I think they had been out there for well, almost ninety. One minute seconds. and thirty-one seconds yeah. was the time <laughs> yeah. of the goal, and they were out there the whole time. Mind you, probably 40 of those seconds was Arizona just kind of dangling around the outside with the yes. puck and not doing yeah. anything. And all all six skaters on the ice are basically resting at the same time. The owners were coasting. And so it, I wasn't like, like sometimes I'm just kind of seething, get off the ice, guys. You're mm-hmm. going to get beat. I, was, I didn't have that feeling because, um, mm-hmm. as you say, they were coasting for for probably two-thirds of that shift. There wasn't Arizona wasn't really trying to do much except rag the puck. It seemed like maybe get lucky on a play, you know, sneak someone through, but that seemed to be their strategy, which is not a bad strategy. Bruce, my uh, good thing, um, the other guy who scored two goals tonight was Ryan Nugent Hopkins and just two fantastic shots um, each time off two fantastic passes from, again, Leon Dreisaitl. What a, what a, I guess he, Leon Dreisaitl won the NHLPA poll today for the um, best passer in the uh, NHL. I think he got 25% of the votes. I didn't I didn't second, see the poll. Second year in a row he's won it. This is, a, yeah. lest we forget, a 50-goal scorer, two-time 50-goal scorer named best passer in the NHL. This is what kind of elite scoring talent we have here in Edmonton and our number two player. <laughs> it's unreal. That's why Edmonton's going to be winning the cup this year, Bruce, these two guys. Um, so, uh, Leon just made a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic pass from, um, behind the net to set up, uh, Nugent Hopkins on the first goal. This happens, um, do we not have it marked in green here? This is, oh yeah, this is the one that's, um, with nine seconds left in right. the, uh, second period. And um, the owners are down to one, and and this is the moment when you're starting to think like they they had put I think they had they had had eight grade A shots in the second period. Arizona had one, and it went in, and it was one nothing Arizona up to that point. So so you know starting to have that kind of bad feeling in this game like this is even though the owners are the dominant team, it may go sideways, and all of a sudden Leon wins the puck. And he curls the, that pass, right? You know, he just doesn't throw it out front. He, he curls it across the slot. And, um, you know, and Nugent Hopkins is right there and just fires it right off, you know, you know, right uh, near post. At least I don't know if it was off the post, but near the post into the net. It's right inside just the post. Great, great shot by Ryan Nugent Hopkins. The, spot. Yeah. Nugent's second goal is, if anything, more spectacular. Um, Leon Dreisaitl gets the puck, wins, gets the puck in his own zone, and is kind of holding the puck for two or three seconds, looking up the ice, looking down the ice. And Nugent Hopkins cuts across the blue line, you know, skates parallel to the blue line, picking up speed. And Leon hits him on the fly, and Nugent cuts in, 
and just wires a shot, absolutely wires a shot. And um, I don't know if Nugent Hopkins has been working on his shooting or did work on his shooting in the offseason, but he is shooting better than he has ever shot. Now, this might just be, you know, maybe there's some puck luck involved in all this and maybe we have the perception that he's shooting better, but I just, I just don't remember him getting off the those two kinds of shots that he got today. Like in the second one, he just streaks in, fires it right um, under the goalie's arm over his pad and into the net. And it's, it is a fantastic hard shot. Um, he is, he is an incredible player right now this year, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, an incredible attacker. He is playing on the power play Bruce with such confidence. You know, he, it feels like they've got, you know, as great as McDavid and Dreisaitl are, it feels like they got a third guy now who is on the power play at least. They're equal or close to it in terms of what he brings to that power play. He is such a fantastic passer. And now with the shot... Um, mm -hmm. which he's she's unleashing makes it just this is the reason this is one of the reasons you know he's the third big wheel on this historic power play I think it's still a historic power play I'm not exactly sure if it's still number one overall since they've started charting this but um, what is he James Worthy on the power play <laughs> Magic Johnson <laughs> Jabbar, and James Worthy yeah that that's uh, it's one of those three man you know, if you can think you can stop him, well, let the third guy get in there and make a quick pass or shot. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, anyway, he's he, he's always been a great power player, but I think uh, he's never been better on the yeah. PP than we've seen this year. And, and just so so much confidence and quick decision-making, when to pass, when to shoot. And uh, he's even get. I think he's even upped his game for getting the shot away quick, like... He, he was always sort of stop the puck, look and shoot guy, right? And he'd take him a half to one second to get the shot away. But he's he's making that decision a little quicker and snapping the puck, you know. And and uh, it certainly worked on that uh, uh, the two two goal, the one late in the second period, and really both of them. He's up to 33 goals now, David. Yeah, 33, 33 88 goals. points, Bruce. 88 points in 72 games. He if he, if he stays healthy, he's you know, mm -hmm. if he keeps training this way, he could get a, have his first. I mean, this is his first point per game season. He could have his first hundred point season, and that would be fantastic to see Ryan Nugent Hopkins get a hundred point season. That would be a great thing, spectacular thing to see. So, um, fingers crossed on that. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Yeah, uh, lots to choose from. Man, I sure hated the shift from three minutes left to one minute left in the third period. Uh, but there's too many crazy things gone awry on that shift to detail them all. But So I'm going to single out Evan Bouchard's shift in overtime. When the Oilers trusted him uh, with the first shift with the two big boys, and the first thing that happened was the Oilers, I mean, possession is everything in overtime. The Oilers won the face-off, won it back to Bouchard inside his own blue line. He gets it, and then just fumbles it away into the, into the neutral zone. And now... Arizona's got the puck, and they have it for much of that shift. And then, anyway, the the play ends in uh, face-off. The goalie throws it in uh, Arizona territory. And again, Drysaddle wins the face-off back to Bouchard, and he brings it back to sort of the top of the circle. And, and Bouchard's just kind of standing there looking at it. 
And all he had to do was like take two steps up and it was on his stick and he was indecisive and then he backed off and then Arizona brought it out and chipped it out to the sideboards. So that's two times. Then it goes to the sideboards and Bouchard's got it. It looks like he's he's actually going to get the puck and at least chip it off to a teammate and he somehow loses that battle and, and Arizona comes away with the puck and they hold on to the puck then for like 30 or more seconds. It wasn't until Drysaddle <clears throat> intercepted it and made that wild behind the back pass to McDavid. That was the first time the Oilers touched the puck. Pretty sure after, you know, Bouchard, like in the first 20, 25 seconds of overtime, he had possession or he had a chance to have possession three times and all three times he did not uh, secure the puck, which should be, you know, in overtime is essential. You've got to have possession. And his casual play, man, uh, some of it's just appearance, but some of it is, you know, get your head in the damn game, man. It's on the line out there. You can't be fumbling around and being indecisive. Play, Might have been you know, a little. Do what you do, right. Hmm? Might have been a little starstruck there. I mean, I don't know. He doesn't get many shifts. It's usually Nurse, right? He's out yeah. there in that situation he he mm-hmm. is like the proverbial little girl with the golden curl oh. when he's good he's very very good and when he's bad he's very very rotten yeah, he, when she is bad she's horrid <laughs> is that it yeah, yeah so long, he, that's a long fellow isn't it anyway it's uh, yeah he was he was in on uh, four grade A shots this game and he at even strength mm-hmm. and he made a mistake just on one against but the mm-hmm. one against was a goal where he turned over the puck and didn't look good at all. I mean, he got hacked off his stick and it was in the net. And then he Um, watched without really trying to hustle back. And I don't think he could have hustled back in the play, but it wasn't a good look. Very quickly developed there. Bruce, my um, bad thing is the third Coyotes goal. And um, it's a 2-2 game. And the lack of hustle on this play uh, was a little bit surprising. And people who listen to this podcast uh, will recall that you and I are uh, fairly consistent defenders uh, of Darnell Nurse's play, advocates of Darnell Nurse. See him as a see him as a as a very very good NHL D man, and um, aren't out to pick on him. But both of us noticed on this play, man, did he ever uh, crap the bed, so to speak? He just he the puck got shot into the Oilers' end, and he. How he was not the first guy back to that puck oh, is uh, beyond me. He just was, he had at least, it's he at five least, feet, easy, five he, feet on the nearest. He had side. position and he had, he, he's a fast skater and he got beat to the puck and everything bad happens after that. Mm-hmm. Puck gets put back up the boards. The order's winger on the boards is late getting back to it. And uh, Leon Dreisettle does kind of a Leon move instead of stopping and starting on the puck and trying to hustle back when it starts going the other way, Leon loops back. And by then um, they're coming out of the corner and the guy that Leon should be covering is getting the Clayton puck. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's a guy you want to, you want to be on. And yeah. Cody CC can't neither Cody CC nor Stuart Skinner, but mainly CC is unable to cut out the pass. Um, and uh, I think it's Barrett Hayton who makes that pass over, and it's bam in the net, and they're up three-two, and it's only with Nuge's fantastic goal um, from Drysaddle's pass four minutes later that they get back in the game and and tie it up. You know the, the Oilers were the dominant team. 
they probably had a feeling all game long if we just keep this close we can put the pedal to the metal and 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 come back and tie it or win it in overtime they're probably thinking that the whole game but that's what it took and it that's what it took because you know a veteran player who sh- with the game tied up he should just been all hustle in that moment and Darnell Nurse wasn't and um not not his best moment of the season I'll say that yeah, no, it was not. I mean, that was that was the kind of race he usually wins easily. Yeah, he jumped into his corner and he had a clear lead on the guy, and he just kind of kind of took a bad route to the puck. And the Arizona guy did what the Arizona guys were doing all game, made a beeline for it. And Arizona, they were great on the boards in this game. Holy moly, were there a ton of board battles? And oftentimes three guys against three just hammering tongs against the boards, trying to dig the puck out. And uh, Arizona won a fair number of those uh, of those battles, and they joined all of them. I mean, my hats off to those guys. This was four and six nights for them after playing last night. And I said to my wife before the game even started, I said, "This is a trap game. You know, it's a, it looks like a scheduled loss for Arizona, but the team's been playing great. You know, I think now they got points in 19 of the last 24. Arizona. I mean." That's good for any team. Nine, you know, just five regulation losses out of 24 games, and they played hard. And I respect their effort tonight, big time. They uh, they brought it and they gave the Oilers a lot. Even though you know, statistically, yes, the Oilers were the better team, but Arizona. There was never one time that I thought they were just going to fall out of the game. They they hung around and they uh, they gave it. And uh, a slack play like that one by Nurse or the one by Bouchard earlier, you know. One by dry saddle on that goal, you could say. I mean, they got punished when they, uh, yeah, when they didn't. And orders, I thought they played pretty good. You know, like it's not like they played down to the level of their opposition. It was, uh, it was tough sledding out there. And, and so. the, the orders did play well. Like I mean, mm-hmm. as we say in the great A shots, you perfect, know, it shows but... the process of the game, right? But, um, yeah, the orders now are um, two points behind Los Angeles. LA has a game in hand, and the orders are four points behind Vegas, and Vegas has a game in hand. So orders are within shooting distance of both those teams um, of catching. You know, they could still finish finish first in the division. I think they have games against both those teams still. And um, three of the next four games: two against Vegas, one against LA. Woo. And then they have another one against LA right towards the end of the season. So they play each of them twice. Wide more. open, eh? Wide open. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, they can win the division by winning those games. Winning those games. Mm-hmm. See what happens. You're back. Seattle now has 85 points in. They've got two games in hand on the Oilers, though. So mm-hmm. they're dropping off a little bit, which is good news. All right, Bruce. Um, where are we now? Numbers? You're back. Numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to go with 110, and that's the number of points by Leon Dreisaitl so far this season. Uh, this was game number 70 for Leon. He missed two games during the season, and his four assists tonight. He's now up to 44 and 66 on the season for 110 points, which matches his career high, uh, and in fact, it matches his already tied career high, because this is, this is Leon the last five seasons. 50 goals and 55 assists for 105 in 82 games, 43-67 for 110 points in 71 games before the COVID uh, stoppage. Uh, then in the 56-game season, just 31-53 for 84, 1.5 points per game, but he didn't get 100 points because the season was the third 
too short. Last year, 55, 55, 110 in 80 games, and now 44, 66, 110 again in 70 games. And just such a consistent producer, you know, four years out of five with uh, between 105 and 110 points. And then the other year, I mean, he was basically on pace for 123, but the season was too short. I mean, just a dominant scorer to have on a, on a second unit. And uh, he just keeps piling up the numbers. The other day he became the fifth, sixth European with four 100-point seasons. And it was a who's who. Peter Stastny, Yari Curry, uh, Yarmir Jagger. Uh, I should be able to, I know them all. Uh, Yarmir Jagger was the third. Uh, Timo Solani was the fourth. And, oh, you know, the other guy too. Not Malkin. Uh, anyway, so just, you know, a who's who of European superstars. And he's on that list based on this criterion of four 100-point seasons, which is pretty damn tough to do. This is his highest um, points per game, Bruce, of mm-hmm. his career to mm-hmm. date. So far, yeah. Yeah. He had uh, in that, um, let me just... Uh, his MVP season, he played one more game to get to the 110 that he's at right now. Yeah, he's he's at, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he... Uh, and in the lockout season, when he only played the 56 games, he only had 1.5 per, per game. Oh, yeah. Alex Ovechkin is the fifth guy. How could I forget? <laughs> it's interesting, like, these incredibly consistent players. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, like, as a kid, I was a big baseball fan and, and huge into baseball statistics. I'd get that who's who in baseball book. Mm-hmm. And they'd yeah. have the lists of um, all the batters. And there, there was some players, like, I just remember, I think, the player that comes to mind is Tony Perez of the Cincinnati Reds. Mm-hmm. And he, he just always have like 20 home runs and 100 RBIs and mm-hmm. bat 280. Like it just seemed like mm-hmm. every year it was yeah. the same, same consistent, same, same. And there was a number of ball players like that just churned it out kind of the same mm-hmm. thing every single year. And Leon certainly has that going on in hockey, which mm-hmm. is utterly fantastic considering the high level that he's playing at. He's the only guy in the NHL and uh, since 2011-12 when Evgeny Malkin did it <clears throat> to score 50 goals and 100 points in the same season, and he's done it twice. And he's about he to goals. do it for a third time, I think. I'm assuming, wait, I mean, he's, right now he's getting stopped on the executioner's shot the last couple of games. He's yeah. Blank, so he's just getting assists now. But I would bet on him getting six more in the last 10 games, and that would be a, a third season. And he was exactly on pace for that in the uh, 71 game season. He was exactly on pace for 50 when the curtain came down. And this is a guy who today was voted the, the, the best passer in the NHL. We might have mentioned this already. And he's a 50 goal scorer getting that kind of recognition. So. He's also the best shooter in the NHL. <laughs> I don't know. Did they give him that? Because he is. Uh, Probably they would have. I bet Ovi won that. I mean, a lot of this is reputation yeah. stuff, but because uh, the players see each other maybe twice over the course of the season, right? But anyway, it's. Uh, uh, I would bet Ovi won the shooter, but who knows? I, I haven't read the survey yet. It should be interesting. They did say Edmonton had the best, second best ice in the National Hockey League. Rogers, please. That surprised me. So my uh, numbers are around Connor McDavid's breakaways. And of course, that would be top of mind because he he scored on a breakaway and he just he almost won the game a moment earlier on a breakaway. Mm-hmm. But it, but it, 
but what first got me thinking about it was your comment about Warren Fogel. Warren Fogel had a breakaway. And um, <laughs> I think he, what did you say, Bruce? He tied Todd Marchand's franchise record for most consecutive missed breakaways. Yes. <laughs> no. He just can't <laughs> seem to bury him more. And he gets, he gets quite a few. Well, not by the finisher. I, I, my memory was the same as yours, Bruce, that he had quite a few. But according to our records, he's only had one other this year. I think he gets a lot of partial breakaways. And um, I'll have to check. Maybe I missed, oh, I he missed kept, the Oh, he missed the net. At least he misses twice the he net. shot wide on a, well, on a clear breakaway. And that's, he, so that counts even double. Shots. Yeah, that counts you're double right. Shoot wide. There's been a few of those, hasn't there? So so we don't even count that because he missed yeah. the net. It's not even a shot because we just count grade A shots. We're not looking yeah. for anything but that. Okay, so so when McDavid got it, I was thinking, because he consistently has at least twice, if not three times more breakaway shots each year than any other Edmonton Oilers player. And what's, what's interesting, so we've been measuring, actually, we didn't, in terms of our, our project of tracking grade A shots, we didn't actually delineate what kind of shots they were until four seasons ago. That's when we started to look at one, you know, is it a jam shot? Is it a deflection? Is it a grade A? Is it a one-timer? Is it a breakaway? Um, and um, so that, so that it, what's interesting, Bruce, is that every season since 29-20, since we've been tracking this, McDavid has had fewer breakaways. And um, hmm. so that first year in 29-20, he had in 64 games, he had 36 breakaways um, for uh, 0.56 per game. So um, not bad. This year, he's, ha- he's had 21 breakaways uh, in 72 games for 0.29. So how about half? Hmm. He's about half the number of breakaways. So um, I don't know what that means. On. Well, we I didn't we didn't I didn't actually track like we could I could go back and look this year he scored on um, eight he scored on eight of his twenty one breakaways which is about what That's you'd expect uh, in the shootout they score on about one third of the shots and he's slightly mm-hmm. above that for his uh, breakaway percentage I think so um, pretty good pretty good um, I mean he's still getting way more breakaways than anybody else on the Oilers but uh, maybe he's not. Um, it might indicate, I mean, one of the things it could indicate is he's just playing the game a little differently, a little bit more cautiously, um, you might say responsibly, where he's not looking to, you know, lead the play or some people like blow the zone, if you want to put it negatively, to get the breakaway. Mm-hmm. Or it just could be chance. I mean, these numbers are small enough um, that um, that they might not be that significant. But there's been a, just a, a slight decrease every single year. Um, from uh, from four years ago to today, I suspect that he is playing a bit more cautiously and um, isn't looking for that home run so much as, you know, working with the defenseman to take the puck up the ice is more, that's what he's looking to do. And he does that as well as anyone in hockey today. Yeah, well, there's so many rushes where he comes in and it's it's not officially a breakaway, but... He's, Break in. You know, he's breaking in. There's one defenseman. He's going around yeah. the guy and, you know, com- coming in on the goalie. I mean, there was one breathtaking play tonight where he's, he stole the puck off of a Arizona guy inside the Edmonton blue line. And he came flying back up the ice. And the poor defenseman that was back had little chance. And, and uh, Yeah, and Connor pulled the puck inside and forced another good save from uh, uh, Connor Ingram. Uh, on a, you know basically he got to pick the shot he wanted and he took it so it's not officially a breakaway but it certainly caused 
you know, it's a, it's a jailbreak caused yeah. by his speed. And in this case, his crafty steal of the puck that uh, sent him the other way. And, and so normal rules kind of don't apply to Connor McDavid. I know that no. we score grade A shots for him that we might not for another player because we know that it's a 20% shot, shot for him, even as it might be a 10% shot for others just because of the, the, uh, the, the well, I mean, he finishes his, he finishes the shots at that rate. And uh, he's, uh, he can score from different angles and, you know, there's just so much uh, slate of hand to his, uh, to his shots, you know, he, he reminds me of, you know, he's not just a pitcher with a hundred mile an hour fastball, but he's got like four or five different pitches in his arsenal. You never know which one he's going to pull out for a particular situation. So it's uh, fun to watch. Tom Seaver. Mm-hmm. All right. He mandatory. That's our second mandatory 1970 sports reference and double bonus because we were both Louis Tiant with a hundred mile an hour fastball. <laughs> did he throw it that hard? He did not. No, if he had one, I mean, oh, he, he, was, he was such a, a trickster with the delivery and stuff. But anyway, uh, we're way off target. I'm, I'm high on baseball today after last night's fantastic finish to the world baseball classic and all timer. So well, that's I, I didn't even know it was on. Oh, I, uh, I, I, I was on big, but I didn't watch it. Shohei Otani struck out his California Angels teammate, Mike Trout, the captain of USA and the captain of of Japan. And it was three to two, two out in the ninth inning. And Otani, who's a slugger and a pitcher, the Babe Ruth of the 21st century, came in as shut down the Americans in the ninth inning and he fanned his teammate, many consider the best player in the game, Mike Trout, to end it. And it was just it was like Connor versus Leon for the Oh, that's great. For, you know, in a in a one on one. But in baseball you really do get the one on ones. It's not, you know, a flow. It's like pitcher against batter and it's it's everybody's focus on what an incredible finish of a, so this uh, is like the time. world cup of baseball where they actually yes. get all the best baseball players in yeah the world. yeah that's a good oh, idea hockey should uh, try that yeah geez i was just i'm just <laughs> starting to get i was actually having a momentary moment where i was kind of angry about that today i was just i'm listening mm-hmm. to ken dryan's book on the 1972 series right um uh, and um it just mm-hmm. made reminded me again like how ridiculous it is the Connor mcdavid never played for team canada uh, uh you know since he joined the nhl in a best on best series this is he's like what is he he's like 26 now like this is ridiculous and it's sh- it's shameful part john of it's COVID- was, john shannon was talking about it today but he said that they probably won't hold another one until russia is back in the good books again so who the hell knows when that's going to be if ever how with so, russia just go ahead and play yeah. it like if, if they can't play they're they're not mm-hmm. they're not all that anymore anyway like we know it's the well, i mean it's, it's not best on best if they're not there but ah, it's i mean but they want to they, they, they've kind of you know they've kind of painted themselves in a little bit of a corner and they certainly so. do and it makes up for the 1960s when you know they won a lot of world championships when the best canadian players weren't there so such is life um anyway yeah. amateurs yeah remember them yeah indeed <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, I just want one final on, on McDavid's breakaway that you were talking about or break in that you were talking about in the first period. Um, I noticed one guy who hustled back and rushed McDavid a little bit on that was Michael Kesselring, mm-hmm. um, who the owners had have traded away uh, for to get Nick Bugstad. 
and Kesselring played 16-17, and he he was uh, plus one this game. I didn't notice him a lot, but I noticed him on that play. And what I noticed is not bad wheels, uh, kid, getting back there on Connor McDavid um, to rush him just a little bit. I don't know if McDavid even felt his presence, but he, he you know, he, it certainly prevented him from cutting across the crease. He limited his options at the it very did. end. That's right. And that's why we didn't count that as a complete breakaway because he, he couldn't right. on a breakaway. You can go either way. Right. And that's really when we counted as a breakaway, even if it's just late developing, if you can go either way on the goal, that's a breakaway. And he didn't have that, that option. Yeah. It seemed to me. Well, Bruce, it's already late. So any final it thoughts? It is late. It is late. Thoughts? Yeah. NHL. Gotta love it. Let's, let's have a, let's have a showcase game at eight at, 8.52 p.m. local time on a weeknight, because guess what? We can show it at 10.52 in the Eastern time zone or 11.52 in Atlantic time zone, like several mm-hmm. of my friends on Twitter pointed out, or 12.22 a.m. as my friends in Newfoundland were uh, were quick to point out. So we were, anyway, it just makes no sense what they're doing. Let's have a doubleheader both in the West and let's start the first game of the doubleheader at 7.15 local time. Let's not move it up even a little bit. Let's not even start it at 7 o'clock. And Rid- so this is just a ridiculous yeah. late. I mean, people are are coming home from the Oilers game tonight, and it's after midnight, and they're not home yet. That it's is just a work day. You know, I mean, yeah, hello. It's insulting to the fans to, to, to do that. It's, to the it's, paying it's, fans, yes. To the paying fans. And they should mm-hmm. be more considerate of the fans, the NHL. Yes. It's not the Oilers' fault. It's the NHL's fault, yes, and it's, 100%. it's, it's not, not excellent at all. It's the opposite. It stinks to high heavens. It's rancid. All right. Let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks yeah, for talking. a good place to leave it. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>